We've been looking together at the Sermon on the Mount. One of the, the great things about looking at sections of Scripture is that you can't avoid the difficult bits. Isn't that true? That's true. You know, it's so easy as a preacher when you just choose bits of Scripture because, you know, you can then choose all the good bits, all the love bits, all the affirmation bits, the encouragement bits, the easy bits of Scripture. Nothing controversial, nothing too difficult to handle. But if you take sections of Scripture, if you say, let's, let's look at the Sermon on the Mount, you get to the bits that you want to avoid. Because Jesus always says some things that you think, oh my goodness, how, how would I share that with others? Well, one of those is today and next week and the week after. But that's where we're at. So let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word today, speak into our hearts and our lives. Lord, we want to we hear from you, Spirit of God, everything you want to impart to us today. It may be challenging, it may be encouraging, whatever you want to say to us, open our hearts and our minds to receive. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Sermon on the Mount first starts with eight ways to receive blessing. We're covering this, right? I'm just going to do a quick recap. Firstly, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Remember what poverty of spirit is? I'm not going to go through it again, right? Poverty of spirit, that, that we have nothing before God. Blessed are those who mourn the distance between what we could be and where we are today. You recognize that? There's a blessing in that. Blessed are the meek, God's power under his control through you and me. God gives us everything we need to be successful, to be victorious in our lives, but it comes under his power and his control. He doesn't just give it to you and say, now you've got the power like some kind of superhero and you can go and zap everybody that you want to zap. He says, I'm going to channel the power through you in the situations where I'm going to give you the power and the authority. Hunger and thirst for a right relationship. Is there that, that hunger that you need for that relationship with God that, that's driving you to deeper and deeper levels with him? Showing mercy to others. A purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And then, oh, I'm out of range. Oh, peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Showing peace to others, offering peace, getting involved where you see conflict and bringing harmony and peace back. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. How do we handle that persecution? We've, we've looked at these. If you've missed any, the sermons are online on the website, so you can go there and refresh your mind. So these are eight ways to receive blessing. Somebody put it down like it's, it's like flowers in a field. Each one of these is a different flower that God wants to grow in your life. And they're beautiful and they're radiant and they got to bless your life with these flowers. But then Jesus carries on in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, you know what? There are areas, six areas to resist. These are kind of like weeds that can grow up and choke the flowers. 
So you can do all of those eight things, have blessing, have a wonderful garden, but if you don't pluck out the weeds, you know in your garden that those flowers are going to get choked and they're going to get diminished and they're not going to grow to full potential and they're not going to be beautiful to look at because there'll be other things around them. And the first area that we have to resist, there's the weeds, is anger. And we looked at that before. He said, you know, do not commit murder, but I tell you. Why? Because whatever is coming out of your heart, whatever comes out from inside, if you think negative things towards other people, you've got a problem. And that, that heart that is, is churning like that, that heart full of anger and bitterness will squash, will diminish the ability to, for, for those blessings to go into your life. Now, we covered that before. But the second one out of the six I'm going to look at today. And it comes from Matthew 5, 27 to 30. He says this. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. See what I mean about preaching on things you don't really want to touch? These are strong words, aren't they? Strong words from Jesus. What is he really getting at here? Well, first he's quoting... One of the commandments, do not commit adultery, right? In Exodus. It's talking really, though, deeper than that, about the spirit of immorality. He says, first of all, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is he really saying? He says, first of all, this, the spirit of immorality, in its general sense, begins like this. It begins with your eyes. I used to go to the gym in town. I would work out for an hour or so. And then I would walk out the gym and straight opposite the gym, Wenzel's Bakery. I'd walk out of that gym and I'd feel a little bit weak. Man, I've worked hard today. I've worked hard. I've worked out. I've pumped iron. I've run. I've rowed. Didn't swim. That's just. And then Wenzel's. You know what happens? I see Wenzel's. And I think to myself, you know what? I deserve, I've earned a Belgian bun. You know one of those big buns with the icing on top? It's got cherry on top of that, so it's healthy. You know that bit with the cherry? One of your five a day there. 
sorted. It starts with the eyes. If Wenzel's wasn't strategically placed right opposite the exit to the gym, I would walk out of there and I would just wander home, no problem at all. But it's there and I see it. And what happens when you see it? Starts with the eyes. Then it moves to the heart. You know what? I just, I've probably worked off enough for a Belgian bun, so I'm going to be calorie neutral by the end of this. Because I've worked so hard, I must have burnt off enough calories to be able to have a Belgian bun. Goes to the heart. Goes then from the heart pretty much to the head. You start rationalizing why it's going to be good. I could even take, can't you now taste a Belgian bun? You're starting, aren't you? You're like me. We're all going to go down Wenzel straight after the service now. We've got, we got buns out there, that's true. And then what happens when it gets to the heart? It goes into action. So I have to cross the road to get home. So I may as well just cross it right there, next to Wenzel's. And then you can smell the aroma of it. Same process. See it with your eyes. It goes to the heart. It goes into action. Oops. David with Bathsheba. One evening, David got up from his bed. He walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, what did he do? He saw with his eyes a beautiful woman bathing. And then what happened? It went just not from his eyes. It went down into his heart. And he said, hmm. Hmm. She's really good. Let me go and get someone. Let, let's, let's do something about It's here now. Get the right side of my heart. It's over here, right? Not just looking, but it went inside of him. So he sent someone to find out about her. She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. And then he put it into practice. Sent messengers together and he came and he slept with her, and you know the rest of the story. Do you see the way it works? It works not just with adultery, not just like here. It works in everything. Belgian bun. It works with gossip. Except it's not the eyes, it's the ears. You hear somebody talking, what do you do? Your ears start wagging. Oh. Let's hear, let's hear, let's hear. And then you hear what you want to hear, and what happens? It goes down and down and inside of you. How could they say such a thing? And does it stay there? No. Then you go and take action on it, and you go shit. You'll never guess what Ronnie said to me the other day. So you're all looking at Ronnie now. Are you serious? What did he say? That's the way it is with the spirit of immorality. And Jesus said, if you have that spirit within you, it will crush and limit the blessing that he wants to give you. doesn't matter whether you're gossiping or you're eating Wenzel's when you shouldn't be or whether you're sleeping with someone else. It will 
crush the blessing within. He says it right here. Whoops. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed. Why? Because it's gone down into the heart. It's not just saying you look at somebody who's beautiful and say, hey, you're looking really beautiful today. This is about seeing, letting it go into the heart, and then you act upon it. You see, it's always the same. The eyes go to the heart, go to the action. So what do we do? Why is this so serious? You see, it damages, as I've said, as Jesus said, it damages the blessing. In Psalm 24, he says this, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands. And what? A pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4. You see, when we allow the spirit of immorality to come upon us, we open ourselves up to mess up our heart. We allow things to get inside of us that will limit the blessing that God wants to give to you and to me. That's why it's so serious. That's why Jesus addresses it. Here in the Sermon on the Mount. These are all the blessings I want to give to you. But to give them, you need to protect yourself. So that, you're, so that the ground is fertile. The ground is able to allow these blessings to grow into full measure. So protect the ground. Work the ground. Make sure that the ground is ready. Get rid of the weeds out of there so that the blessing may come. The weeds will diminish God's blessing in your life and also in the lives of those around you. Because it's not just about me and God. What happens? What would happen to Trinity Church if I committed adultery? It's not just me and God, is it? You guys would all be affected. What would happen to the name of Trinity Church in the community? Did you hear about a pastor? Oh, he slept with the organist. I don't fancy any of our organists, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Imagine what would happen. You've seen it. You've seen it in the news over and over and over again. What happens? Their name is destroyed. Who they represent is destroyed. It's not just about me and God. So many people I hear, they come to me and they say, well, it's just about me and God. It's me and God, me and this other person. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Really? What kind of planet are you on? 
we not only diminish God's blessing in my life, but in the life of others around us, in your family, in your friends, in your workplace, in your church, people around you, it will be diminished because you are not allowing the blessing to flow in your life. So how do we break this? Well, that's what Jesus says. He says, if you want to break it, you need to do radical things to make it happen. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, he's not being literal here, okay? We don't want people coming next Sunday like, Pastor said I had to gouge it out. Eye patches on everyone, you know? He's not being literal. I don't want anybody coming with bandages on their hands. I try cutting it off, right? But what he's saying is that whatever it takes, do it. Because this is how important this is. It's important that you don't diminish the blessing that God wants to give to you and through you to others. So whatever it takes, do what it needs to be done. And we're going to look at what that is in a minute. But he's saying, this is serious business. That spirit of immorality is rife in our world. It's rife in our lives. So let's deal with it. And let's work on it together. And let's get rid of it out of our lives so that we can be free. And we can be able to allow those blessings to grow to full measure. To the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. So how do we break it? Well, make radical changes to protect yourself from immorality. So he's saying, you know what? Gouge it out. If it's going to make you sin, get rid of it so that you protect yourself. If your hand's going to cause you to sin, cut it off so that you protect yourself. So that you're not dealing with the aftermath of it, but you're dealing with it before it becomes an issue in your life. So let's look at how we do that. First, know your weaknesses. All of us have weaknesses. All of us. There is not a single person that doesn't have some kind of weakness. Now, we have different weaknesses. My weakness is for Belgian buns, right? I've, I've shared that. I've admitted that. We have weaknesses. Some people's weakness will be for in the sexual realm pornography. Some people's weakness will be for gossiping. Some people's weakness will be for eating. Some people's weakness will be for destroying relationships. Some people's weakness, you know, everybody has a weakness. What you need to do is know what your weakness is. Don't pretend that you are strong enough because you are not. Okay? So many people I hear, well, it's not going to affect me. I'm strong enough. Rubbish. Every person that has ever said that to me, I see where they end up, messed up. We have weaknesses. And so acknowledge it. Know what your weakness is. Know where it is. Be honest with yourself. Psalm 139. The Lord has searched me and he knows me. He knows everything about me. He knows your weakness. Ask him. If you don't know what it is yourself, ask people around you, hey, what's my weakness? 
Where do you see my greatest weakness? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's low self-esteem and I allow people to trample on me. Maybe it's all the other things I've spoken about. Know what it is in you. What do you struggle with? Be honest with yourself. Brutally honest. And say, you know what? This is it. This, in a nutshell, is my weakness, right? Don't pretend. Just be open. Be honest with yourself. Because all of us have strengths. All of us have weaknesses. Recognize where that weakness is. And third, be alert. Jesus in the garden said to the disciples, watch and pray that you won't fall into temptation. Be alert. Once you know where that weakness is, keep it in your mind. Keep it at the forefront of your mind, right? Because then you can help yourself. Then you can stop getting into the situations where that weakness is going to be tested. You could... You can take a different route so you don't go past Wenzel's, right? You can do different things. You can help yourself so that you're not dragged down every time. Or you can at least limit it. Watch and pray. Firstly, know yourself. Know where those weaknesses are. Second, guard what you feed on. Proverbs 4, 23. Somebody once came to me and said, I want to have a tattoo done of a Bible verse. On my arm, they said, Pastor, I want you to choose the verse. I've never had so much pressure in my life. This is going to be tattooed on their arm for the rest of their lives. I started such, I said, you've got to give me some time for this. This is serious. And I searched the scriptures and I, Lord, what do you want on their arm? The Lord gave me this verse. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. It's a great verse of scripture. Guard what you feed upon. Let me ask you a question. Okay, I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to tell them the stupidest thing you've ever done in life. Right? Whatever it is, what's the most silly thing that you're willing to admit to that you have ever done? Okay. What did I ask you to do? I have no idea, really. I just thought it would be funny. The silliest thing I think I've ever done, I have a number of them. But probably, looking back from this position, the silliest thing I've ever done in my life was I had a guy once point a gun in my face, tell me to do something, and I said, no, pull the trigger. I wouldn't do that again. It's not advisable. But that was pretty stupid. But I was young. And when you're young, you do other things. You know why I asked you to share?
Because I guarantee you won't forget what that other person has said. Why? Because it's gone in. You will now know, particularly if you share it with someone that you don't know very well, you'll go, huh, I know something about you now. You did that thing, didn't you? You won't forget it. Because it's now gone in. Guard what you feed on. You see, the things that go in are the things that affect us. Life, the things that you see, the things that you experience, they affect us. The things that you watch on television, they affect you. It's like saying, you know what? Come back to eating again. I want to eat this big meal, but it's not going to make any calories. I always say that on Sundays. You can have cake because there's no calories. It's rubbish. We all know it's rubbish. If you want to diet, what do you have to do? You cut out eating Wenzel's and you start eating salad. Or you limit at least what you eat in your diet. Why? Because what goes in affects you. You have to guard what you feed. Guard your heart. Stop it at the point of entry. So if you've got a weakness, if your immorality is gossip and you hear people gossiping, what do you do? Walk away. If your point of entry is pornography and you flick on the television and you, you see some kind of sex scene on the television, what do you do? Switch it straight away. Not go, oh. Because if you don't stop it at the point of entry, if your problem is, you know, whatever it is, stop it before it goes in. Because it goes from the eye to the heart to the action. The only place you can stop it is right there in the eye. Stop it before it gets inside of you. You see, what Jesus is saying is just that. Guard your heart. Guard it as though it's precious. Stop stuff getting into it to mess it up. Don't allow it to get in there in the first place. If it is at all possible, run from it. Flee from it. Get out of the situation so that you don't allow yourself to get into that situation. Two things when I came into ministry. Somebody taught me about counseling. Counseling is dangerous. Particularly if a man is counseling, a pastor like myself is counseling a woman. It's a dangerous situation. Two things. I was advised two things I put into practice. One is I always tell my wife. And I said to her, if there is any time that you are uncomfortable with me speaking to a woman, counseling a woman, just tell me and I will stop it. Someone else will need to do it. I don't need a reason. 
There doesn't have to be an explanation. You just say, David, I'm uncomfortable with this. That's it. It doesn't happen. We'll find someone else to do that. Secondly, if I find myself uncomfortable, I will walk away from that situation. Why? Because I have to make sure I stop it before something starts. You have to do that. It's the only way that you can guard what's coming in. You just leave it. The alarm bells start ringing. Run. Run and get out of there as fast as you can. And say, Lord, you know my weakness. You know I need to leave this. Let me get out of here. Know your weakness. Guard what you feed upon. And then you have to keep fighting it. Because the enemy will know where your weakness is. This is not going to be easy. It's not just, Lord, take this away from me. Occasionally, very occasionally, I've heard with people who have prayed or someone's prayed for them, and that's gone like that, just gone. But more often than not, your weakness stays as your weakness. And so you need to be aware and you need to fight. And sometimes it's really, really hard. And the pressure is there, but you keep on fighting. You keep on resisting. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. It doesn't say that he won't return. It doesn't say he's going to leave you alone for the rest of your life. It said if you resist him, he will go. And he will marshal his troops and he'll come back another time and try and get you again. But resist him. Keep on resisting him. Fight it with everything that you've got and say, no, I am not going to do this. I've told you before, there are certain things as a pastor, adultery is one of them. If I ever commit adultery, I will never preach another sermon as long as I live. Because I will ruin, I will disqualify, disqualify myself from preaching the word of God. And so I set standards for myself before I became a pastor. And I said, if I break these, I'm out of here. And they're non-negotiable. Why? Because God will give me the power to resist the things I need to resist. I just need to be aware. I need to be honest. I need to be open. I know what my weaknesses are. I'm on guard. We need to be on guard. Lastly, you're not alone. We're the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of that body. What does that mean? It means we don't judge one another. We all have weaknesses, and our weaknesses are different. Each one of us. So don't you dare look down your nose on someone and start laughing at them because of their weakness. Or pitying them. And going, oh, so sorry. No. Because your weakness and their weakness are no worse than each other. We're all in this together. We are the body of Christ together. So do not judge one another. Don't look down on one another. Don't point the finger at one another. Just because they're struggling. 
and you're not at that particular moment. There'll be a time where they're not struggling and you are. So don't judge. Secondly, Romans 15, 7, accept one another as Christ has accepted you and me. Christ died for you and for me to win us the forgiveness and the freedom. So accept one another. We don't say, oh, because your weakness is this, I'm going to not accept you. No, we are the body of Christ together. We accept one another because Christ accepts each one. I love the story of the woman caught in adultery in John's gospel. What does he do? He gets to where the woman is and he says, hey, I'm going to come alongside you. They stone you, they stone me. They point a finger at you, they point a finger at me. You without sin cast the first stone. And then he said to the woman, if they don't condemn you, then neither do I. Now go sin no more. You know, he, he accepts, Jesus accepted everybody. Doesn't matter who they are, didn't matter what their weakness was, didn't matter where they were in their relationship with God. He got alongside them, accepted them, and pointed them towards the Father. And that's your role, that's my role with those around us. Help one another. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus says we need to help and encourage one another. And in that way we will break the spirit of immorality. You know what, it's so hard to do it on your own. So often, when we are struggling with immorality, we keep it to ourselves because we're ashamed. What happens if they really knew what I was? They wouldn't love me. They wouldn't accept me. They would look at me differently because I struggle with this particular area of my life. We hide it. When the Bible says, you know what, with trusted people, with trusted a brother or sister, let them carry the burden with you. Share it with them and say, brother, I struggle with this. Can you help me? Can you support me? Can you encourage me? Can you even be that kind of challenge that I need sometimes? That you'll ask me those kind of questions that I don't want to ask myself. How's it going? Not with judgment but with love. In a heart that wants to encourage you and allow those blessings to grow and to flourish in your life. That's what we need in the church. Too often the church has pointed fingers at people and said, we don't want your kind here and we don't want your kind here. You know, better off if you became a Baptist and you became an Anglican or a Catholic and go somewhere else. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus says, you know what? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And we need to be open to others too. That doesn't mean to say we like what we do. That doesn't mean to say we, we bend the rules, if you like. Jesus said adultery is adultery. It's going to diminish if you continue in it, it will diminish the blessing. Any immorality will diminish that blessing 
and that potential within you. And so we don't want that in one another, so we want to encourage one another and say, hey, there's a better way. There's a different way. Let me journey with you, stand by you. Let me support you, and you support me in the struggles that I have in my life too. You see, it's like this. Each of us have a heart to guard. And we have to guard it in two ways. First, he says, guard what comes out of it. Do not commit murder, but I tell you, if you think anger, if you think bitterness towards someone else, if you say those words, raka, towards someone else, then what's coming out of your heart is poison. You need to deal with it. But he also said, guard what goes in. Protect your heart because it's fragile. Your heart is delicate, but your heart is the ground in which those blessings can grow. So protect what you allow into it. Look after it. Nurture it. Nurture one another's hearts so that we may see those blessings grow for his honor and his glory. Can you pray? Can you play a minute? Thank you. Was there any plays today? Let's just close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. Because you don't judge us. You love us. You know our struggles. You know where that spirit of immorality has got hold in our lives. You know our weaknesses. You know our vulnerabilities. And today you're calling us to yourself. And you're saying, come to me. Let me put my loving arms around you. Let me show you my love. Come to me. Because I see how weary you are at carrying this. And how you're struggling. Come to me and let me help you. Help you be more aware. Let me take away those feelings that you have of, of shame maybe dirtiness and unworthiness because you keep failing and let me fill you fill you with love and joy and peace fill you with blessing fill you with honor because I love you so much I created you so amazing and I want to help to see that 
those flowers bloom in your life for your glory, for your benefit and benefit of all those around you. That when they look at you, those blessings point to the Father. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Jesus, keep us close to your heart today. Cleanse us today. Clean us out from all the rubbish that's inside of our lives, all the immorality that we allow to build up. Like scale in a washing machine, it, it just stops things working well. And it holds us back. Lord, I ask today that you would forgive us. Give us a new start. And give us eyes to see. See what can be in our lives. And eyes to see where those moments are. Where we need to run. because we're vulnerable. Protect my heart, Lord, so that it may be beautiful for you. as your church as brothers and sisters in Christ together may we have outstretched arms that will support and encourage one another remove from any of us eyes of judgment and hard hearts make us humble serve one another so that when any of us stumble when any of us fall we're there ready to pick us up and to encourage us and to support one another as brothers and sisters on a journey together but Lord we want to win this race together as one people 
We don't want winners and losers. We want all winners. Everybody having that beautiful garden in their heart, flowing with your blessing to the fullness of their potential for you, to the honor and glory of our Heavenly Father. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Christ. Amen.